Hello and welcome to the Walk Around Podcast powered by JM and Group. Today is a very special episode where Elliot and I are going to take a look back at two years of the Walk Around Podcast. We have two very special guests. You remember Nick and Danny, our original hosts. So without further ado, let's take a walk around of the Walk Around. All right. Well, this is a very special edition of the Walk Around Podcast. We have with us the one and only Nick Funch and Danny Vendrell, our original hosts of the Walk Around Pod. Here we are two years later since we launched, and get a load of this stat. The Walk Around Podcast has been played over 10,000 times wow. at this point. Wow. You know, I don't know if that's a successful metric, but it just sounds really good, doesn't how, it? How much of that was Nick just replaying over and over his favorite I, episodes? I leave it on my favorite episodes on repeat. You know, the funny thing is, Danny, and I don't know how you feel. It's interesting being on the guest side of the walk around because, I, you know, I didn't give enough credit to the hour and a half of hair and makeup that we went through prior to um, getting on the pod. And it looks like Mark and Elliot are the beneficiaries of said uh, hour and a half. You guys look great. Hmm, yep. Well, maybe we can get you some hair so we can uh, do that hair and makeup of yours. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> say, you guys probably get a little a little more makeup hair. and a little less hair in your, uh, your, your time before the pod. So. Not only does Danny look good, but just look at that background. I mean, it is world class. Well, and it's real, right, Danny? That it's is real. Really virtual it's, background. It's all real. And this is a plug. If you're not watching the YouTube version, you should be because you could see the background and the lack of hair and the um, presence of makeup. So you want to be watching the YouTube version. Thank so, you for yeah for reminding us this is a radio show. Yep. <laughs> Dan, Danny, who sponsors that background? I mean, certainly. I mean, do you walk in? Did you do that? Like, give us some 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 insight there. No, I mean, you know, a little bit of research online kind of does you wonders. Uh, the power of the internet gives you all the inspiration you need. Wow. Wow. It, well, it is a. I think you could sell that background, and like you know, people would use it. So good. I might have to do that. The um, so you know, Nick. While we were talking about your uh, your replaying your favorite episodes, you know, to boost our podcast stats, you know, what what, what episode is that that you play on repeat over and over again? Wow, straight straight to the hard hitting questions, uh, Mr. Yeah. Shore. There, you know, it's actually interesting. I was reflecting as we were thinking, getting into. Um, First off, congratulations, two years, not just to the walk around. There's a lot of people that make the walk around happen behind the scenes. And, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without them. But I think back to kind of our early, early, early episodes when this was just an idea. And I think we were like, let's just turn a mic on. And we sat in a phone booth in, you know, two plus years ago and said, let's just see what happens. Um, and I think about where we are today and I think it's fantastic. But when I think about some that episode in particular, I think it was the second or third episode. And we had um, Sasha Lindikins on from Avion Consulting. And one of the things we explored was the power of um, kind of empathy, not only in kind of leading your team, but how it impacts your sales ability. And it doesn't matter what role you're in, um, inside automotive, outside automotive, interacting with others, whether personally, whether professionally, and um, leveraging empathy to do it, I think really stuck with me. And it's something certainly that I try to focus on just throughout my interaction. So for me, that was an early one um, that I got a lot out of and still continue to, to try to practice some of what we spoke about then. 
That was a great episode, Nick. Let's take a listen to a clip from Sasha. Yeah, I think there's three reasons why empathy is important in, in sales. Number one, it demonstrates uh, a cu customer centricity. It demonstrates that you're aligned with what their agenda is, that you care about their agenda and that you're focused on them. It's not about you. It's not about your commission. Uh, it's about them getting the best car buying experience possible. Okay. Uh, and that you want to make sure they get something they like rather than something that you have. <laughs> uh, so customer centricity, number one. Number two, another thing about empathy that builds the relationship is once, uh, I'm sure listeners will, will be able to relate to this. Once there is empathy in a relationship, communication opens up. There's less guardedness, right? We're speaking more freely. Uh, we're not hiding agendas as much. Uh, so it really opens up the, the flow of communication if you're able to demonstrate empathy with one another. The third one, and maybe the most pragmatic one, is good empathy allows salespeople to identify hidden needs. It, it allows them to really understand what's, what's the pain point, uh, what do they want in a situation. And because of that, it makes you a better salesperson. You're not guessing, you're understanding. You know, that is still one of our highest performing episodes. Yeah. And uh, well, you know why? It's because I play it on repeat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Sasha. Sasha's a good guy. I think we've all uh, enjoyed being around Sasha. And uh, shout out. Sasha and I actually went to the same alma mater. Little it's known not a fact. fact. Yeah. Do you guys know where that is? Anyone? University Anyone? of Miami. Well, that is my second alma mater. Okay. Yes. Uh, but uh, no, University at Albany, SUNY. Wow. Sasha and I wow. are both SUNY Albany alumni. Look at that. Yeah. Who knew? Small who world. Knew? And who sounds knew? like the sounds like the, is that a precursor to the shore thing? Be an alumnus of uh, uh this university there? Well, it could be, you know. All right, we'll see. You never know what's gonna happen on a shore thing, but we'll have to wait till <laughs> later to, to find out. But uh but Danny, what do what do you think? What 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 are some of the memories that stand out for you in uh you know, in season one or or season two, you know, you, you can uh, you can give your uh, your your hosts here a, a, a plug a if plug. you want. Yeah, but, why not? But yeah, what 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 stands out in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so many fond memories of season one with Nick. Uh, of course, the hair and makeup hours, you know, goes without saying. <laughs> when you look back, I think over fifty episodes, and I kind of have to take it here as a marketing guy. A lot of just awesome episodes about building your brand, marketing, um, with people all across inside and outside of automotive, you know, a few episodes that come to mind, uh, if you're looking back at kind of the catalog episode 21, 26, uh, 30, 31, there's a lot of awesome nuggets in there about differentiating your dealership, differentiating your brand. And I think more relevant than ever with so many of the, uh, dynamics of the industry today. And so one that definitely sticks out. Um, we had a guest, Bob Lanham from Meta, and uh, the first episode that we did with him, Nick and I interviewed with him, it was episode 21, and he kind of introduced this concept from his perspective, kind of, kind of called media mix modeling and, mm. and outlining exactly how, in a really tactical way, dealerships should be thinking about their marketing spend and making good advertising decisions. And I think it's as relevant as it was back then, and so maybe we take a listen. Just think of it this way. You map it out and you say, wow, I spend a lot on this platform. 
But if there's another media platform that can say, hey, I can do exactly what this platform or maybe even two platform co- platforms combined, but I can do it for a third of the cost and give you the same return, if not higher, would you be interested? Well, of course I'm interested. Boom, next thing you know, you bring in that vendor, you've, you've removed to maybe more expensive vendor and you just cut your cost and you're selling the same amount. That's media mix modeling, understanding everything you're buying, what role each one has, and then what the impact is on sales. Yeah, Bob is such a great guest. We've had him back. You know, he's probably one of our first return guests on the walk around and he just continues to throw out such great insight. I think with us, you know, he talked about, does price even matter anymore? Yeah, for, that was a good one. Customer. Yeah, that was and, interesting. And that theme of customer experience has has also been woven throughout all of our conversations. Bob also a big supporter and uh, of the podcast on LinkedIn. He is. We love yeah. Bob's support and uh, always appreciate him sharing. Yeah, definitely. So, so let's flip it around then. I'm curious, uh, Elliot. You know, what's your favorite episode, you know, and you don't have to go to the most recent season. You can go back to season one if you like. But, um, you know, as you've kind of been part of this project, I mean, what what stands out to you as you think back and we celebrate kind of two years of doing this? Well, you know, of course, naturally, I, I could, of course, say that my own episode was uh, the best episode. I if you recall, oh, when you were a guest, yes, yeah. exactly. Hey. But you know that would be too easy and a little self-serving. So I, I'm not going to go there. But let's take a listen anyway. To no, just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, now you know. I, I honestly, uh, you know, one of the one of the best episodes that I thought you guys did was with uh, was with Jason Stein. You know, I thought Jason has a great view on the industry, and I thought you guys did a really nice job getting him to put his guard down a little, maybe yeah. say a little more than he would have normally said. Um, but, um, you know, anytime you could have someone like a Jason Stein who has just an interesting purview on the market and his pulse uh, literally on the, the auto industry, you know, I thought, I thought Jason gave some really good insights. So let's listen to uh, Jason. Yeah, the opportunities are around uh, an accelerant that we could not have imagined uh, back around NADA in February. Everybody talked about how the world needed to move into a digital space at a much faster clip. They talked about how dealers were dinosaurs and just weren't adapting to uh, what consumers wanted in in the February 2020 world. And then March 2020 hit. What we've seen happen is, um, as best described by one of our guests on uh, on our World Congress virtual conversations this spring, is that uh, the retail world went probably accelerated three to five years in three to five months. Um, and and it's, it's so true at every level, whether it's handling consumers in a different way, whether it's responding to customer needs that are dramatically uh, or were dramatically different and are dramatically different now, um, or it's just simply the digitization aspect of the retail space, which the really progressive dealers have moved very, very fast. And I think what you've seen is that those, those dealers who were ready for the change and who were uh, prepared to take on a whole new virtual experience or um, address consumer needs that were drastically uh, different are ready for it. Jason is so great. You know, he, he's gone on to so many bigger and, and better things since that episode. He's now doing his own show. Right. 
on satellite radio and he's even talked to us about coming back on the podcast for season two. Oh, is that a foreshadowing it is it's oh, a little wow. foreshadowing there you go, there you go. a little foreshadowing <laughs> then we'll do it we'll pick up on that right after the break exactly right. yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> but um no I, I i think jason's a good guest too it, it uh but you know we're we're um curious guys you know what where do you guys see this uh this industry going you know um this well, is something Elliot, we've, we've been asking all of our guests on this season and um you know I, what, what are your thoughts nick well i would like a minute to think about that and while i think about that i think we should ask mr spoto what his favorite memory of the oh, podcast oh, is to me. All right. yeah like I mean, he's not getting off that easy there yeah, you Come want to formulate now. your answer while i share my you, favorite you could episode. take nick out of the host role but you can't take the host out of nick there huh? you go <laughs> you know uh, i I'm also going to go back to season one of the podcast. And if you remember, Carrie Weiss was such an awesome guest. And Nick, you talked about empathy for leaders. The other piece to that is incorporating different perspectives. And she talks about how do you grow a dealership's talent, specifically women in the industry. And it's all about encouraging and incorporating different perspectives within the dealership. Let's listen to Carrie. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to probably 2015, you know, I've always been involved in some type of diversity initiative in in automotive. I was on the board of women in automotive Mm -hmm. um, for a number of years where we are focusing on gender, which is, you know, I think the lowest hanging fruit that we need to tackle in in automotive, right? Um, But for me, being um, not only a woman, but a person of color, you know, I have two identities that I have to tackle, right? It's kind of, they call it the double bind. It's kind of the the double disadvantage in some ways. And um, and so when you only focus on women, um, you fail to kind of attack some of the other challenges that people with multiple identities have. And so last year, I think with all that was happening in our country, there was a lot of discussions about race. Um, It kind of opened the door for me after working in the business for 20 years to tackle something that I was really uncomfortable with doing, uh, talking about race. Mm -hmm. People get very uncomfortable on that topic. Um, Diversity in general, people get uh, defensive. And so, but I felt like it was the time because companies were, were talking about it. They were open to it. They were trying to figure out like, how do I attract more diverse talent? And I just felt like I was in a position um, having established myself in the industry that I can, I can make a difference. And so me and three other women who work um, in retail on the service side, they're women of color came together and created women of color automotive network. And part of that was about focusing on the individual. We're not going to change the whole automotive industry in the system overnight. How do we empower individual women of color to first want to join this business, but second, want to stay in this business because we could attract them all we want, but if the the culture and the environment doesn't change, they're going to leave and go to another industry. And so part of it is us inspiring them to show them that, hey, you can make it to the top in automotive. It is possible. Um, And then here's what you need to do. And here's how you can continue to grow in your career. And so that's been a big part of this last year, at least virtually in in giving that information to these women. We have 500 members um, as of now, and uh, and we have about 50 allies, right? Like like men who have really been a part of it, which has been inspiring to me and, and somewhat surprising. 
You know, it's really good advice on how you can help your dealership flourish, not only from a business perspective, but but your people. Yeah, I had actually forgotten about that one. Yeah, she was great. It, that's, a, that's a really good call. I, I love hearing about that from, you know, there's so much hidden value to unlock in a dealership by helping to motivate and keep and train and teach people. You know, we see it all the time. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it reminds me of, uh, you know, like you see it, you see it in like the NFL. And I know we're, we're you know, going to be in an NFL in football season. And, you know, you see players and, you know, we're, we're Dolphin fans here, so I can make fun of them. But you, know, you see players <laughs> that, uh, you know, they uh, they are on the Dolphins and they're duds and then they go over to New England and they're studs. And what's the difference? Has their talent changed? No. No. Uh, what's changed? It's the coaching. Yep. Right? It's the environment, that the environment, in. the culture. And so, so it's, it's interesting. You talked about the coaching. There's a, uh, and the player escapes me, but we're also in the tail end of baseball season and the Atlanta Braves traded for a player from Detroit and he was struggling with his batting average in Detroit. And he got in the Braves lineup and started immediately making mm-hmm. an impact. And they asked him, what, what's the difference? And the Braves traded for him because one of their scouts identified a flaw in his swing that the Detroit was unable to recognize. And so he was just muddling through it. They made that fix and he's been on fire. And I think it speaks to the power of coaching, um, having a third party perspective to provide that feedback and really feedback's a gift um, and enables you to kind of unlock your fullest potential. And we heard that also recently from one of our guests, Matt Prospel from Predictive Index. If you put the right people in the right roles and you encourage them, good things are going to happen. Yeah. It's amazing how much an environment change, a coaching change, all of that unlocks hidden value. You know, hidden value. Yeah. It's it's something I've definitely enjoyed on. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched or watched the uh, uh, Hard Knocks this yeah, year with it. the Lions, but man. I mean, that coach, Dan Campbell, <laughs> I would, I, it's like, and the Dolphins had him too. I know. Yeah. And you know, the, guy, the guy kicked butt for the Dolphins and then, and then they fired him. I know it. Uh, but I was, I've been the life thinking, of a Dolphins fan. I right? know, but, but I, I, I have been thinking about his, the way he coaches with such passion and uh, it makes me want to be part you of that team. Play for it makes yeah. me want to root for the Lions, for sure. which is so weird, but yeah. it's All weird. right, Nick. You've had All right, back to the fastball, the high yeah. heat, right? What? Yeah. Where do you see what's what are you excited about for yeah, what, this industry? What's on top of mind for you? Um, I think both of these things can be true. Excitement and what's on top of mind. You know, I, I, this weekend I was perusing through something, and I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure you have, but there was an old video of Steve Jobs at a um investor meeting, and a uh reporter was asked a pretty pointed question about their strategy. And this is years ago, pre-Apple being what it is today. And, you know, I, I, I'll i give you the Cliff Notes version, but, but the high notes. But he spoke about putting the customer experience first. And he goes, if we tried to design our products based on what, on what the engineers wanted and thought was cool, we would inevitably miss out on the customer experience and what they thought. And so if you kind of begin with the end in mind, that consumer experience, and then you reverse engineer kind of the product or the process back to that, obviously nobody can argue with Apple's growth and all of those things over those years, but it's super insightful from years ago. 
And so I think of the same thing about the automotive industry. I think we're in this really transition stage. I think there have been some some influences that have kind of forced the hand and accelerated some change in retail automotive. But I think that consumer experience and putting the consumer first and then kind of reverse engineering your processes, um, the products you have, the meaning the software, the tools, all of those things to support that consumer experience is going to put dealers on a trajectory to kind of outpace their competitors. It's going to put OEM companies on a on a trajectory to outpace their competitors, and I think it's going to going to help grow them. So I'm super excited, and and I think to be a part of the industry as we navigate these waters, and you know, some inch ahead, some are you know a little further behind. But, um, you know, I think that consumer experience is really driving change backwards throughout the, the industry. And, you know, it's fun to be a part of to, to help dealers solve, I think, A, um, but also to know that what we're going to get is a better product in the end. You know, Nick, that is so closely aligned to what we heard from one of our other recent guests, Tin Trung. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, he's bringing that concept of the customer centricity to his role at Echo Park. And if we start with the customer yeah. and then design around that, right. your business is going to be a success. Yeah, I think I think you know, dealers in, in general painting with a broad brush, but you know, we have a tendency, I think, in the auto business to start with our goal in mind. We want Correct. to sell another car, right? We want to hit uh, our number. We want to retain another customer, right? We want to um uh, make more money, grow our PVR, lower our expenses. And a lot of that sort of ignores the customer experience. It's almost like it's like, well, well, let's make sure it's not going to impact the customer experience too much, as opposed to I think what you're saying, Nick, is to really start with that experience in mind and uh, and build backwards from there, and you'll reach your goals. Well, I, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Hear, what do you think, or Nick? You have something else to add? No, I was just going to tag. I think you're hearing a lot of more a lot more in the industry around the the value of a customer over their life. And I yep. think, Elliot, to your point, historically, we've been focused on the deal and what's the value of this deal. And so I think you'll see that whether it's uh, vendor relationships, lender relationships, all of these things, how do they align towards supporting that kind of value of the customer over their um, over that relationship that, that you have through the dealership? But yeah. Danny, what's your perspective there? Sorry, Mark. I jumped no, on you there. It's a good good addition, Nick. Yeah. yeah. No, I think just kind of building off that and, and especially where we are today in the industry, it's it's hard to not talk about um, electrification and EVs as the trend and, and things that are top of mind. And I think we're in a really interesting point where everyone's kind of learning all simultaneously at the same time. We're OEMs, dealerships, customers, we're all going to be kind of learning and figuring out and navigating what is this buying process, the servicing process, what does that all look like, Nick, to your point, kind of the whole journey. And I think it's a really interesting place to be in and actually reminds me of an episode that we did with Brian Kramer. And that was uh, episode hmm. 23. And just some Danny, of do you have process. all the episodes wow, have, memorized? Danny, like, what is going on? The are these your, your are these like, like what is going on here? I got <laughs> to represent the marketing angle. You know, if people are listening and they're like, I got to listen to this right now. I'm giving you the number. All right. There you go. I like that. Wow. Um, but he, he talked about just his process for digitizing the sales process at his store with just the eyes wide open, let's just right. blank canvas, see what this could look like and the steps that he took. And I think 
it'll be interesting to see where it all ends up for all of us. Big shout out to Brian in, in his new role there. And uh, yeah, yeah, big, big supporter of uh, the podcast. And we're a big fan of his too. So I love Absolutely. that. Good Best call out to him. Good call out. So you guys may have heard about this since, you know, since your departure from the, the podcast uh, and, and since we started hosting, we've introduced a new segment that, um, you know, I like to say is sweeping the podcast nation, yeah. the automotive this... podcast nation. That's right. Are you talking about the Spoto thing? Uh, close. Close. Oh, okay. You're warm, but you're okay. not quite there. We're talking about none of none other than a sure thing. That's right. The sure um, thing. So, Elliot, do you have any sure things for us to close us out? Yeah, you know, episode? you know, I, I think I do. Okay. I, uh, I do I'm have excited. some sure things. I don't and... know about this. This usually we collaborate on the sure. Usually thing. we do. This prep. is a surprise. We do, and um, you know, I have some. I have a couple of them. All right. You know that uh, kind of. You know riffing on the fly here okay uh, <laughs> probably not the best idea but we're gonna go with it let's go there you go so um i do have uh probably I'll, I'll go with one business and then two kind of fun ones so we'll see so from a business perspective um and you know we were just talking about ev and we've been talking about ev all season long mm-hmm. right yeah and um and i believe i have strong beliefs about ev right I believe that Danny Vendrell's next car purchase will be an electric vehicle. Sure thing or not a sure thing? Sure thing. I'm going to say not a sure thing. And I think I know why. Oh, interesting. He has nowhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you may know this, some of you may not, but Danny here is moving on in his career to Meta, the home of our good buddy, Bob Lanham. And he is going to be working 100% remote. So he's very economical, our Danny here. I know sometimes <laughs> at the salad bar, he'll go for the prepackaged salad versus the, versus the full salad Uh-oh. bar. It's, it's, keep you know, the weight down. Keep the, well, keep the weight down, but also it's a little lighter on the wallet. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. I'm thinking he will not be purchasing an EV because he's got he's going to be working from home. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe this, should, maybe we need to edit the sure thing that it needs to be his next purchase. Maybe electric mobility, meaning a bike, a scooter, or there a you car, because maybe that plays into it. But we'll see. Well, a lot of a lot of speculation on Danny. There we go. From the man himself. Yeah, I mean, first of all, very revealing conversation from Mark, especially the salad bar part. I thought I was, kind of, <laughs> I was, you know, under wraps there. I didn't know it was so noticeable, but you know, it's all good. It's all good. You know, the interesting thing for me that some of you may not know is I like to drive a manual car. I've driven a manual for every car I've ever had. And so until we can solve the EV with the stick shift equation, I am not a sure thing for the moment. Wow. Wow. Curveball. I think the underdog coming through. (laughs) Really? And, you know, out of all the EV talk that we have had, I have not heard the manual transmission right. come yeah. up that as a true. as a reason not to get an EV. And so there you have it. All of our manufacturing friends who are listening, there's a market out there for there's a, a market. manual electric vehicle. All 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Danny, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. What's next? All right. 
next, we'll go we'll have a little fun. Yes. All right. All right, fun. We've been having a lot of fun. We're going to start now. Um, and, you know, most of many of you may not know this about our, our former host, Mr. Funch, but uh, Nick grew up in a very special city mm-hmm. yeah, uh, around a very special golf course yes, uh, and has very special ties to that golf course. Oh, and, um, and yes, I'm talking about Augusta national. Um, that is where Nick hails from. And uh, Nick has close ties to the masters. I will say though, I think it's, it's, probably proven that just because you grow up near a golf course that doesn't necessarily translate to your your game oh well that is a hundred percent right true. right <laughs> no doubt about it okay um and you guys have probably heard a lot about the controversies going on in golf right now, you know right yeah now. good one and this is going to be going on for one. a long time these this controversy it's not going away it's in the courts now right yeah but i believe can I just say I love the I believe. I believe, I believe. we got with such I, uh, conviction. With such go conviction, on, go, go I believe it. Live Golf will end up being successful. I do. I believe that Live Golf will be long-term successful in the golfing industry, and I believe that's a sure thing. Nick, Danny, Mark, sure thing or not a sure thing? Who wow. definitely? So we're pivoting I mean, from automotive to golf. Here's my comment. Here's my thought, I would say, not a comment. If you have unlimited resources, the likelihood of a sure thing is significantly higher. And so, you know, the upstart, you know, golf league has unlimited resources. I would imagine at some point they're going to expect some return on those resources. But certainly the golf industry is um, ripe with disruption right now and causing a lot of waves. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think Liv is playing this week. We just wrapped up the FedEx Cup playoffs, and now we pivoted to a golf podcast, which is fantastic. But the, I think it'll be interesting the next six months what happened because uh, you know you'll have the Presidents Cup, which players aren't playing in. You have um, you'll have some. You'll have the other two majors coming up that that were prior to live players leaving. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of what shakes out. We'd expect some ruling on official golf rankings, you know, for live events, which will be interesting. They don't play the 72 holes, you know, the field size, all these things. So uh, certainly a disruptor. And my comment would be the likelihood of a sure thing depends on unlimited resources, which live certainly has. That doesn't sound so, committal, Nick. Yeah, sure thing or not a sure yeah, thing? Yeah, it's a simple question, Nick. <laughs> he's he's yeah. going to pass. All right, All right. so I'm going to be right. bold yeah. here. Yeah. Bold. I'm going to say not a sure thing. Oh, oh. I think Liv, wow. I think Liv is going to go by the way of, you brought up football before. Remember oh, no. the XFL? XFL? Oh, yeah. Remember the XFL? XFL is, he hate me. He hate me. <laughs> he hate me. <laughs> There's always an attempt to compete with the main mm. professional league, mm. and it just never seems to work out. Mm. I, I see Nick's point about unlimited resources, and there's a ton of money behind this. Yeah. But somehow, I think the world's top players are going to stay in the PGA, and the live is just going to be go by the wayside. Interesting. Not a sure thing. Not a sure thing. I would wow. say I'm more in Mark's court. Oh, okay. There were a lot of words to say I'm all in my score. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There's a lot of setup just to land on that. All right, Danny, what do you think? Um, uh, So far, I guess I'm... Or do you even care, Danny? I know you're not as big of a golf fan, but what do you think? So here's my thing. I And I'm going to go sure thing. And here's why. That's right. I think if, if they can figure out a way, again, 
a pool of resources that is is very large. If they could figure out a way to activate people that are just typically not your active golf fans, right? Get into those different audiences. I think they're going to find it. May not be you know the majority market share, but they're going to find their place. And so I'm going to go short thing. Well, that is a good Danny take. with good good word usage. That there. is a good activate. Right there. He goes activate. I like that family feud. True marketer. True marketer. Right? True to the core. All right. Well, Danny, best of luck to you in Meta. Seriously. It's been a thrill. Thank you. You've helped us launch this podcast. You've been a huge contributor to JMA as a whole. Uh, We wish you the best. Nick, hopefully, we love you. I mean, hopefully he can uh, influence that algorithm to put James yes, posts absolutely. and this podcast <laughs> in front a little of further people up. there at Instagram and <laughs> at Facebook and you know all those meta properties out there, and maybe we'll take the podcast into the metaverse. No, hey, knows. Danny, can you help us get Zuckerberg on the pod? Yeah, come on, pull some I mean, strings. Listen, anything is technically possible. <laughs> okay. The probability, I'm not sure yet, but so you're you know, saying there's a chance. I'll, so I'll certainly be cheering y'all on from the sidelines and, and you know adding to the views for sure. All awesome. right, Nick, thank you so much for joining. Always us a pleasure. Your time. Yep. Thank you, Nick. Elliot, Mark. Till the next year ahead on the Walk Around Podcast. To the next season. Whether you're a dealer owner, general manager in sales or service, or just starting your automotive journey you're sure to pick up some actionable insight from the Walk Around Podcast powered by JMA Group. Be sure to keep listening, keep up with the leaders who are influencing the automotive landscape today. We really appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening to. Go ahead and check out jmanagroup.com slash resources. We have a ton of helpful free resources for everyone out there. I'm Elliot Shore. You can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Elliot Shore, S-C-H-O-R. And in the words of the great Dennis Morton, be good out there, but if you can't be good, be careful.